Welcome to The Take, where I sit down with filmmakers, actors, and world-class racketeers, and we talk about story, life in the biz, and what it all means. Today I sit down with writer-director Jonah Feingold. Jonah has figured out how to make his work both fantastical while being grounded in modern dilemmas at the same time. First coming to the scene with his viral parody of the Star Wars trailer in the vein of Wes Anderson, Jonah's directorial work online has accumulated over 100 million views. His viral Kickstarter-backed short film, Bangarang, the prequel to Rufio from Hook, broke the internet, trending number one on Reddit and number four on Twitter Global. He's also currently executive producing and directing a five-part digital series for Facebook Watch. What I admire most about Jonah is that he is always creating, whether through putting videos out through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Jonah is always putting out content, and it's admirable. Jonah and I have known each other for over a decade, and it's been really cool to watch him grow as an artist. He's got a bunch of upcoming projects, and I can't wait to check them out. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jonah Feingold. Oh yeah, phones, phones on on, on your nice. Uh, what are these Winchester? So, oh, yeah, yeah. I just I feel like Winchester just sounds right. I'm not sure. <laughs> Everything that you can do to create the aesthetic that we are at the Soho Farmhouse in London right now. Yeah, that's right. I want, I want you to feel like you're in London. I do feel like I'm in London. You know, because I feel like you know, uh, English people they they work a lot. It's raining outside. <laughs> yeah. What do you got to do about so read and write? <laughs> yes. When it was raining the other day, I was so stoked because it's like the most productive time of day. Like, I know. When it's raining, can't you be more productive than... <laughs> it's crazy how much that affects. Isn't it? Yeah. I wonder how, like, if like if you look at places that rain a lot, is there more written stuff that's produced in there? I think so. I mean, look at look at Tolkien. Look at, yeah. you know, like uh, he how much he wrote. Look at J.K. Rowling. All the great authors and even people who are, like, they all go somewhere where I think... It's typically rainy. Yeah. There can't be a coincidence. Although screenwriters, although I guess they all live here. They all live here, but like they like all kind of complain about it. Yeah, and they all like, <laughs> yeah. it's not, and they're not very good. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not really writing. They're just sort of they all like s- dream of it. They're just like setting up meetings. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just like talking about making stuff. Like, and you're I a actually, writer, like yeah. What have you been doing? Like well, you know, I, I grab coffee with yeah, people. Yeah, go on meetings. I go to meetings or or pitching, <laughs> pitching. It's like <laughs> it's like are you writing? It's, yeah, it's so fucking true. It's oh, can funny. we curse on this? Yeah, you can curse okay. on this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll bleep it out. <laughs> no, yeah, cursing's good. I like to curse. But uh, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we were just trying to figure out uh, how when's the last time I saw you. It's been, honestly, since maybe USC. Although I feel like I've ran no, into you. Okay, what's that short that we made uh, with Natalie Turpin? Oh my God! That's oh, what it was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was um, that was in two thousand and fourteen, fifteen, four, fourteen and fifteen. That was let's go out, wasn't it? let's go or let's not go out, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was, Hold on. It was Yapo, right? Or yeah, Yacht Club comedy. comedy. Yacht Club comedy, and it was you and Natalie Turpin, and you guys were like, oh my God! It was like don't be, they don't, yeah, this don't, drunk kiss, drunk date. I forget what. <laughs> oh. It was like you being like, let's not have sex. It was like your character like being very emotional about sleeping with someone on the first date. Yeah, you're like, I just go out and all these girls and or something. Oh, fuck. We could find it on YouTube. Yeah. You could link it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put a link in the comments <laughs> below. <laughs> oh, my but God. But that okay. is, I think, the last time that... Uh, that's right. That's the last time I saw you. That's where you, you were living in Brentwood? I was living in Brentwood. Yeah. 
And maybe the more interesting is that the first time I saw you was we met at NIFA Film Camp, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, that's right. That's in 2007? Yes. So yeah, we've been friends summer, for 11 a, years. A summer program. What, so I was doing a one-week acting, one-week film. What were you doing there? I was doing one week of acting for camera. Yeah, that's what I did. And... Um, it was one week, but I made friends. I, I just saw Charlie Hill, who I met there. Okay, yeah. I saw her in Amsterdam. I, we, you and I are still friends. Yeah. Um, who else am I friends with from that camp? A, a lot of people that I run into. That's how you know Nico. You know, you know Nico, That's how right? I know Nico. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen Nico in 10 years. Shout out Nico Quinones. <laughs> Shout out Nico Quinones. <laughs> I always remember him having like cool cameras and stuff are we good are we recording yeah we're good we're, we're good recording. to redo all that no, I, I, i'm like kind of like ocd i just like check oh you gotta like, check like you i'm not check. i'm not like a technical, i'll keep it on those red lights okay too. yeah i'm not a technical guy and i'm yeah. always just like it's it's we're doing it right i always wonder when someone has a really good podcast and it turns out they weren't recording because it happens all the time yeah do you just redo it do you have to Oof. let time go by so it can happen again naturally I don't know. That's kind of like if you lose your film if you shot it do you reshoot it or you just go like i'm just gotta do something different I would say you redo it because I've actually found the best stuff comes from when you actually have an opportunity. It can be a happy blessing, right? Okay. If you look at, I, I here's an example, not to get 50 minutes into our conversation, but I just did my first feature film in March and we casted an actor and an actress for a part. And the guy was, not, his audition was great. And we were casting like the day before we were like in production. The guy was not right for the role. He could hmm. not do the scene. It was the end of the day. And we did the scene. I was like, went to my producers after one take. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm telling you right now, out of courtesy, I'm going to give a couple more takes. But this isn't going to work for this role. It's a very specific role. And we miscast. And it was my, my mistake. But we did the scene. We called rap after like two takes. And everyone was like, whoa, you got it so quickly. And I was like, yep. And then we redid the scene with a different actor two days later. And I, had, I told them transparently. I told everyone like what I'm doing. Yeah. Here's why. And the scene ended up being one of my favorite moments now and it was blocked to a T and I knew how I wanted it. And I kind of had that chance to sort of try it, try it um, out, try it out, it, yeah. which I think is a tactic that I see all my successful friends doing. The ones who are making really good work have somehow in some way already done what they actually end up doing day of, Interesting. which sounds so obvious, but people don't do it. Well, yeah. Well, people like there's this like uh, mystique to like not rehearsing. Right. Kind of like, oh, it's just going to come to me naturally on the moment. Like, yeah. Kind of. You're an actor. Do you believe that if you don't rehearse, your performance is stronger or more, <sighs> you get something special? I mean, you know, I, I feel like actors have had those moments where there is some, like, crazy in-the-moment spark that comes out from not rehearsing. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you can rely on that. Absolutely. You know, but I, you know, I was just work. I was just telling you, I was working on this movie in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, with Guy Pierce. With Guy Pierce. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, you know, uh, like number maybe eight on the call sheet or something. So I'm not getting rehearsal time. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe the direct, you know, the director and Guy Pierce and a couple other actors are doing rehearsals and then they just bring me into the scene. So it's. You uh, have to have it right. You have to be ready to go. I, I guess you do. You kind of have to be ready to go, or you just like you're. You just kind of like give it a shot, and then the director would be like, "Okay, so you gotta." He would almost then start directing you mm. a little bit. But there's so much. There's such a lack of handholding on these projects. You know what I mean? Because you're used to being doing. When I'm doing like real independent stuff, you're like sitting down with the director and talking about intentions and all this stuff, and you feel so confident going in. And then on this other stuff, you're just kind of like get out there and do what you do. It's an expectation that I, I I noticed that too, and I but I've also seen it in action where you look at like the pro, like pro season actors, people who are like character actors or who have been in tons of stuff, mm -hmm. famous or not. Sometimes they come in and they do you know 
as a director, you come in, you work with them, you know, you ask them a couple questions, you bring, welcome to this, to the space. And then I'm amazed. And this comes from a camera level too. camera people, camera guys and girls, actors who are professional working people. They know their shit already. They yeah. just, the camera people, you don't need to do any focus takes. Like there's no focus problems ever. They just get it done. The actors come in, they know their lines, they do it amazingly. And then you're like, okay, wow, I don't need to do this eight more times because you're not doing it the way I want it. Now I need to think of a fun way to do it so I have it in editing. Interesting. And um, so when my roommate, who's an actor, he went and just did this Ryan Hansen series for YouTube Red, mm-hmm. and he was working with a really cool filmmaker named Rawson Thurber, who's you know like a famous director, did Dodgeball, did oh, Skyscraper. Wow. Yeah, the, wow. also just the man. Yeah. And Luke and I were talking, and I was like, yo, dude, like, what are you going to do to prepare? And he's just like, well, I think all I can do is just go in – so prepared so that Rossum basically doesn't have to do anything mm-hmm. and then he can kind of have fun. And I was like, that's exactly right. Like all the actors I'm impressed by come in, know their thing cold, do it. And then we get to have some fun. And then you can decide to take it one way or the other, but you're not, exactly. you're not trying to get them to the point where they need to be. Exactly. I'm not yeah. trying to convince you that you want to be here. You yeah. Know? You know, you're kind of coming with like the material with the goods. Yeah. You come with the goods. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're not showing up to a meeting 20 minutes late with a Starbucks and no. saying, sorry. I'm and late. I was two minutes early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you were two minutes with early. the star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always funny. So, what is the what's the feature you just finished shooting? So, the feature I just finished shooting in March, and now I'm I'm editing it myself, and I'm just sort of approaching a rough cut. It's taken me a very long time to to edit this movie. It's because we I really wanted to make a feature for a long time. I want to work in the feature space. I want to do Disney movies. Like that's what my dream is. I love romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get a lot of projects made. You know, you've known me for a long time. I've been trying to get a lot of projects made that I've sort of incubated from the ground up and every single one of them is still in I, w- I guess flux like every project that I care about that I try to pull up takes time mm-hmm. and you know I've been working on the same project called Wendy since it's a romantic comedy about Wendy from Peter Pan me and Taylor Siegel who you've met before mm-hmm. went to USC we've been working on that project since um, senior year Wow! and we have an actress named Brittany Snow from the Pitch Perfect movies attached and even with her attachment, you know, it's not like we can snap our fingers and get this movie made. Yeah. In fact, that's the me- after this, I'm going to get dinner with Brittany to be like, hey, how are you? Like, we're still trying to do this. Okay, yeah. Um, so all these things were taking a long time. And I was like, you know what? I, I've know- I know every facet of production. I can go make a movie with my camera. So I was like, here's a script that I wrote that I really like. It's called What Are We? It's a black and white romantic comedy about the gray zone in between being boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay. So it's like, I think great romantic comedies ask a very simple question. Can guys and girls be best friends? That's when Harry met Sally. Mm -hmm. You know, best friend's wedding. Uh, If you love somebody and they're getting married to somebody else, should you break it up or is it too late? That's my best friend's wedding. Like all these all these movies ask really simple questions. So I wanted to ask the question to our generation, which is when and how do you define the relationship? So it's a black and white comedy. Um, I wrote the script. We... I was like, I'm going to go make this on March 1st with or without money. Okay. Uh, we, we raised $17,000. We shot for 10 days in New York. Nice. Made so many mistakes in terms of like, you know, we had 20 locations. We had 10 different actors. Things that you typically don't do on a low budget indie movie. You typically do one location. You do two actors. You, yeah. You know, um, I DP'd it. I like operated the camera. I'm editing it. I wrote it. I directed it. I had a great team of people to help make this thing happen. Really great actors. And... You know, it's been taking a long time to edit just because as the writer, director, camera operator, you look, you see everything wrong with it. You mm-hmm. know it too well. And it's editing is like really just fucking, you know, editing is fucking difficult to do. Yeah. Um, 
But are you editing that by yourself or by you, myself? Wow, by myself. And so now I'm sort of getting to the point where I'm showing people stuff. Yeah, I'd love to show you some stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see it. And um, I won't be doing the sound mix because that needs to be perfect. Yeah. In fact, I'm gonna go out and try to raise maybe three thousand dollars more from investors so they can invest in the movie because you know you'll probably won't make your money, but you can have ownership of the film if it does send us sell to somebody. It didn't cost us much to make, mm-hmm. but. Um, I need to raise that money because I really do believe that it can, people will forgive a bad image. They will not forgive no, bad sound. People, sound is unbelievably important. So isn't important. It? Yeah. And it, you just kind of, you don't think, you, for some reason, you know, a lot of independent filmmakers just think, oh, that's kind of an afterthought. It's, it's that, you're right. People will forgive a bad image. But yeah. Bad I could shoot a scene on my iPhone and if it works, it works. But if the sound is iPhone sound, you know, it's not going to work out. So I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm, I got some good people lined up to do sound. I just need to sort of hit their, there, you know, hit what I want them to make make it sound good. With all with all of your projects, I, f- I remember the uh, the score is so good in all of them. Yeah, Peter Lee Johnson was a guy I worked with a lot at USC. Okay. Score is very important to me. Yeah, I've always been of this mindset that score is fifty percent of the movie. I've only I only listen to film scores. I've been obsessed with film scores since I was like four. Okay, I interned for Hans Zimmer when I was twenty one, wow. um, and I would always, as a kid, go film something. The first thing I would do is find the music for what I wanted to do with it. So. Peter Lee Johnson from USC, Torn Barrowsdale, who is a USC guy, Jeremy Tisser. These are all people I've worked with. And so for this movie, it's all classical music. And I got a guy named Grant Fonda, who maybe you've worked with indirectly. I, I feel like he scores something you've been in. Grant Fonda? Yeah. Potentially. He's went, he went to USC as well. Okay. I met, he was the first meeting I took after I finished the script. I was like, we need to have a theme song. Because wow. the theme song plays in the movie. Practically, there's a violinist who shows up every now and then. And I wanted to have the theme song ready to go. So we did the theme first, then we shot the movie. Oh, nice. Well, that's so cool. I mean, there's like, you know, famous movies. Like the first thing, if you say that title to someone, the thing they'll remember is the theme song. Theme song. Yeah. Well, it's so important. It's, it, it's another way to help you feel something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Themes are, themes are important. I wish that our lives could be, you know, our lives could the have theme, theme songs, songs, right? Yeah. Do you have a theme song? You, oh, you have the little MGM thing that you do on this. I do the, uh, yeah, I do the Lion Roar. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I then like I, that. And I do the, uh, actually the... Um, uh, singing in the rain instrumental. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. you, you have that on loop. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like looking for, I was like, what's like old Hollywood, like Dude, feeling. And yeah, that's so. exactly the stuff that that's in. What are we? It's all old Hollywood awesome. music. Like, that's sweet. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, I was, that's, that's cool to hear about your, how important scores are for you. Cause I was, I was, recently just watching a lot of your stuff to catch up oh god but it was like i was like oh let me just catch up on what jonah's been doing i didn't realize how much work that would be man you've been up to so much you know it's i it's was a, like oh I this think, will be easy and i, I like, think oh. this is a this is a good this is a good i'm glad we can kind of talk about this yeah. you know because it's been a lot but i will say i always want i go to my friends and i like everyone's at different levels of success right now mm-hmm. and i think like there's been a lot out there i just delivered a show to facebook watch well wow. I, I can tell you right now i have like I've never been, this is just because we're homies, like, and I think people don't, directors don't talk about this enough. Like, I've never been, I'm not by any means financially stable, by any means, like, from, from my film work. Like, I'm making it as a, as a freelance writer director, mm-hmm. but I'm, you know, delivering a show to Facebook Watch. I'm the executive producer, director of that show. The budget was so small, and it took a year to do that the numbers actually are very interesting. Like, you can be very busy, but financially, it's not, it's really difficult. Yeah. And even friends who I see elevating on a super high level, like the friends we have from film school who are just like crushing it at mm-hmm. the highest level, 
even they are sort of like at a position where like the deals in place are really good, but you're at this flux point where it takes a long time to get paid. So it's actually, I feel like it's a topic that doesn't get discussed enough about working writer directors at a younger level where how do you support yourself full-time doing your art um, that requires 200% of your time, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily pay you out yeah. for 200% of your time. But yes, the past year was very busy. A lot of lessons learned, um, some of which I can talk about. And this year I've sort of, I've been learning to say no to things that won't redeem an outcome that I want and sort of realize that all it takes to m- make it is one. So now I'm sort of like, okay, what does it mean to make it? What does it mean to be happy? Yeah. And what is, who are you as a filmmaker? Yeah. Well, what does it mean for you to make it? For me to make it, I think I've always said, and I say to some of my friends, I'm like, if I'm on set directing a Disney movie, okay. I will look to my right and look to my left and say, I, I made what I, I made it. You're doing it. That's You're it. You're doing now, the childhood dream. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that is making it for me. So maybe that, maybe that will change. Maybe everyone, every artist doesn't, you know, maybe every, it's all relative, right? Maybe yeah. it's like that day comes and you're like, wait, no, when I'm directing the sequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But then you at least someone will like tap you on the shoulder, hopefully, and like, remind you don't you. remember what you're doing. You'll be in it, and you'll yeah. stop yeah. it. You'll, okay. you'll yeah. grab my shoulders. I'll grab yours, and be like, yeah. "This is it. This is it." <laughs> yeah, we're doing <laughs> it. Um, what that, about uh, Bangarang was awesome. What, what they were, I remember there was all the talk of uh, like online people were was talking about making that into a feature. Into a feature. We tried to make that into a feature. Bangarang. For those of you guys listening who don't know what that is, that's a it's a, a prequel Kickstarter Kickstarter backed short film about Rufio from Hook. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I believe you've, we've talked about this yeah. movie. Yeah. Hook, Hook is unbelievable. Hook I is mean, incredible. the first time I saw it, I thought it was a horror movie. So I was so young. <laughs> it scared the hell that's out amazing. of me. You know, but yeah, Hook is amazing. It, it's uh, It was a really great experience and I learned a lot. And Dante is a dear friend now. And that movie we tried to make into a feature film, but the rights are so wrapped up yeah. in different producers and companies. Yeah, and yeah. maybe one day, if by chance we run into Steven Spielberg and the executive at um, TriStar and Dante, and we can all just be like, hey, we should go do this. Yeah, this I'm sure happen. they're talking about it. I mean, the, the, it's a very relative character these days, and people love that character. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether or not I earned a position to even be in conversation is probably unlikely just because they have so many people they could bring to the, you know, to elevate on that. Um, but there was talks of doing that into a feature film. Um, the feature films that, like, you know, I think that would be amazing. And I think it, we'd certainly get a phone call about maybe, hey, when you were doing the story, what did you learn? But I don't think the short as is was at the level it needed to be to earn a position to direct like a $30 million version of that. Just cause they have Steven Spielberg. He can get, he can mentor any filmmaker and he's working with the highest level people. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll mentor you. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, that'd, be, yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I was watching, dude, well, looking through your work, I was like, there's like a sense of magic to your, like, oh, the, wow. <laughs> like the, the stuff that you make, like it's with the score and stuff, but there's like a, I'm like the worlds that you're creating to me have like a, they feel like they have a sense of magic in them. That's yeah. You're, it, it was like, I was like, this is like a mix of like, uh, like Woody Allen and Spielberg. I mean, that's exactly what my resume to USC said. Is <laughs> so, it really? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think it was hey, like nice. I nailed it. Yeah, with the sprinkle of Judd Apatow, who at okay, the time nice. I was like a huge fan of, and I still am a huge fan. But I think he's got he's like I'm not as I'm not as funny or raunchy as he is. You're exactly right, man. I mean, I those are the two people who I look up to. Obviously, Woody Allen off camera is a different human being, sure, but his yeah. art I really do respect and love. And Spielberg is the goat in my opinion. Yeah, and I say that I know every every filmmaker is like Spielberg. I say that as in like I go back and I watch Jaws on silent in black and white just to watch the blocking of the actors in the camera the dance that he he is the best blocker and 
camera mover in the game. And I think that people try to have Spielberg style with the Spielberg, you know, push in all these things that they Mm -hmm. try to narrow him down to. But it's actually, if you, the minute things that he does where he does things like overlapping dialogue, there's technical stuff like overlapping dialogue. He does really long takes. He uses the camera as like a child's eye and, you know, he, he kind of approaches every scene from like, okay, let me just kind of focus on one thing and get trapped in that moment. But his allegories, you know, in terms of like his storytelling is about the magic of everyday life, you know, mm-hmm. everyday human beings going through, you know, ordinary people going through extraordinary circumstances, yeah. fishes out of water. And even Woody Allen, you know, every one of his characters, something kind of crazy happens to them. You know, uh, Midnight in Paris, a normal guy gets transported back. I love time. that movie. I just watched it again oh, recently. Really? Because that has that that has such a sense of magic to oh it. Oh my god, it's so good! It's yeah. such a good nostalgic thing. And to me, I'm a I am a product of Disney, man. I mean, that's that's yeah. where that comes from. I will only do things that I think can have a little bit of. I think life should have a little bit of magic. I'm like an optimistic person, and yeah. uh, I'm glad that comes across because that is that is one thing that I really do. Um, I really do care about so is yeah. making people feel sort of like a sense of magic. I also, you know, I think it's just we all were into magic as kids and like that's sort of translated, you know, into film. Yeah. that's the whole Peter Pan thing, right? Peter Pan's Yeah. We all, yeah, yeah, we all, I'm wearing green tights. You guys can't see yeah, it, yeah. but I'll describe it. <laughs> Funny thing, you are actually wearing a green shirt. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> not, you're not too far Oh off. God. Oh God. Yeah. What I'm thinking of, the, the, the quote that's coming to my mind right now from one of your movies is that, uh, in LA, every, every relationship's a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that from, is that from a 405 love story? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. 405 yeah, love yeah, yeah. story. Uh, yeah. No. Yes. Well, you, so you live with your girlfriend. I, well, no, she's, well, basically she lives, she stays here a lot, but she has her own place. Actually. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's I, kind of the perfect medium. Does she live far away? No, she's she, luckily she's pretty close. She's like right near Paramount studios on Melrose. So that is close. I That's do pretty, have a theory that you need to be within a certain vicinity. I think you do. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're the cross, the four Oh five is a divide. I mean, how do you, how do you date someone? That, I don't know. You have to be logistically. You have to schedule, you have to make a calendar, right? Okay. Yeah. Tuesdays <laughs> and Wednesdays. You come you, here. You come here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I love talking about dating stuff and this is like some of the stuff that we get really into and what are we? And yeah, okay. I'm fascinated by the minute details of dating, especially LA culture, because, you know, I'll ask, so how did you guys meet? You know, what's, how did you guys actually meet each other? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. We actually, we met on uh, an app. Which app? Bumble. You met on Bumble? Yeah, I met on Bumble. Do you remember like the, what line she used or something like that? Or? Okay. So this <laughs> is kind of embarrassing, but <laughs> this is, uh, Here's how it actually happened. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I you saw can't you can't cut this part. By no, the way. I can't cut this part. Yeah. No, and it's like it's whatever. So it, it kind of almost reminds me of a uh, I swipe your thing. I swiped left. One swipe left. Yeah. yeah it's, one, it's, so I um I saw her on Bumble. You know, she's a beautiful girl. She's like likes the outdoors in the family. I was like, okay, this this girl. I like I looked at her and I was like. You know, from what I could tell from the photos and her description, I was like, I know I'm going to I'm going to get along with her. So I found her on Instagram and went into the DMs. OK, I, it, I love it, this. Man, okay, here worked. we go. It worked. OK. Did you swipe left on her or right on her? Which one's positive? Which right. One? Right is positive. Yeah, I swipe right. So but you didn't want to wait for her to message you no, or for the match. I, I wasn't going to put it up into the air to hope. That she swiped back on me and hope you that took she destiny me. into your own I hands. Took it into my like, yeah, like I'll use Bumble, but then I wanna, I wanted to reach out. And did she know. have her Instagram handle on the Bumble page? No. So you found her. Yeah. I what did. clues did you have to find I her? <laughs> I know, dude. 
Uh, she said where she worked. <laughs> on, her, on her bumble. You Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I Sherlock Holmes a little bit. I'm pretty good at this, like, kind of researching. Dude, I just, like I that. literally just did this. So, did I you? mean, oh, yeah. And there's people who are like, that's kind of weird. And I remember she she showed her some of her friends my message. Hmm. And we joke about this because a couple of her friends were like, uh, that's a psychopath. Do not reply. And we've been dating for a year now. Dude, I, I love that. I mean. You know what I mean? You, so did you call out in that message, hey, this is crazy. Yes. The first thing I said Smart. was, so I know this is really weird, but <laughs> yeah, I saw you and I think, you know, I would really like to, you know, get to the, whatever. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I did start off with, I know this is really weird. And then I gave her the go ahead. I said, since I had to kind of stalk you a little bit. You know, here's my name. Go search me up so you, I love you can kind of even the playing field. Dude, that is – and I love that you guys have been together because that's something that I always think. Like, okay, people – yeah, it, it's – sure, it's weird. But then again, you have an Instagram account. So yeah. you're kind of already opening your arms to this opportunity. Yes. And you're on the dating apps, which means that you're seeking attention or seeking someone to reach out to you in some way. Some way, yeah, right? So honestly, I think what you do – what you just did, it's it's literally funny you're talking about this. I, I just wrote a little – sort of sketch about this because I slid into someone's DMs and I was like, <laughs> what? it's sort of like the modern day, like, hey, let me, can I, it's walking up to a girl to bar and saying yeah. something, right? Is signed to a DM. Well, there's like the, you know, there's like the stories from like our grandparents' age where the grandpa's like, I saw her on the train and I chased after her and bought a ticket and got on the train and just so I can maybe say hi to her. And yep. everyone's like, oh, that's so sweet. But if yep. you do that in the internet age, it's like, kind of somehow weird it's like you're a stalker and you just like tried to like you know harass somebody yeah, you buy like, a no, ticket just, yeah what are I you just, talking about yeah i know you just uh, i it's thought a, we'd get along it's obsessive <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sorry it's obsessive i think uh i love that yeah it's funny I, it's interesting i just something new i hadn't encountered before is there's a girl i'm speaking with right now who um we're gonna be going on a date we met on a dating app okay nice. and she wants to facetime before that before the wow. date and I'm like, she's like, yeah, it's pretty protocol. And I was like, you know what? It makes sense. Like, I think it may be sure, but it's definitely never happened before. I've never, yeah. I've never been asked to FaceTime somebody. Just to like make sure you are who you are. And- I guess, but I've confirmed, I've given her my Instagram. I've, you know, sent a selfie. I've like, we've like joked about that, but she's like always like, I, I totally respect it and get it. But I just think that's an interesting new thing I've never heard of before. Yeah. Curious if, yeah. Is it a Gen Z thing? It's a Gen Z thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it might be Gen Z. It's, it might, the girl, she, yeah, the girl I'm dating, she's 24. I guess she, I think she is a Gen Z. That'd be Gen Z? She's Gen Z. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You slid into the, you know, didn't wait for the match, didn't let Bumble control your life. You took it into your own hands. Yeah, it worked. And now you're happily together for a year. Yeah, it worked. And it's not a long distance relationship because you guys uh, yeah, and she are both in WeHo. Right here, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we didn't, I don't know. I don't have to deal with the 405 splitting us up. Dude, it's it's a it's a real issue. <laughs> yeah, it's a real issue. So you kind of you split your time between New York and LA, so you're able to kind of see the difference in dating between New York and LA. Oh yeah. So this is great timing as well because tomorrow I'm uh, attempting with my sister to record a podcast. Oh nice. Um, about dating in LA versus New York. Does she have a podcast? Jane? No, no. She, Jane and I have just talked about this for so long, okay, and nice. she and I are slowly trying to figure out ways to collaborate with each other. And film, we I think for film for us it was a it's a it, that was a quick zero to sixty, you know, collaborating with your sibling on a film project. It's like it's someone we else that's there and wants to work on it. It's just we need to figure out a better routine for that. And okay. so I was like, why don't we just talk about something on a podcast? It's creative. It's like filmmaking, and let's just sort of start there. Mm-hmm. That's my kind of brotherly you know instinct. But I do spend time in LA versus New York. I'm from New York, and so I do love dissecting the differences because they are very 
perhaps the most similar cities in America, but they are also the furthest part apart from each other, yeah. which is kind of the perfect way to describe the culture and the people. Similar, but very different. Yeah. And um, dating in general, every person, I mean, grass is always greener on the other side. It's sort of like a consistent thing that I hear. And mm-hmm. people in New York think that dating in LA is easier. And people in LA think that dating in New York is easier. People in New York think that dating in LA is easier. They think that it's easier to have a re- relationship. In LA. Yeah, in LA. Which might be true to, to maintain a relationship in LA because you're sort of, like, I think the rate at which people, people in LA are quicker to enter a relationship than they are in New York. Interesting. The acceleration of going from hooking up to dating someone, I think, is probably faster in Maybe LA. because it's so hard that when you find someone, it's like, let's just like, do let's it. Just, let's just, like, what are we doing? Let's I actually found it. someone that's, like, normal, like, yep. not, like, nice. But, dude, that's exactly it. Your yeah. pool is smaller, so when you find, because there's less people, yeah. New York has 8 million, LA has, like, what, what maybe I don't want to get my I facts completely. I don't know. It's so bizarre because it's I it's mean, like seven hundred metropolitan k- area. So yeah, I think spread. it's like seven hundred k. This could be so fucking wrong, but I think it's like seven hundred k. Los Angeles County area. That might be really wrong. I, I don't think, know. I think that's really wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's. I mean, New York is eight million. That's well, eight, true. Well, what What's true is that New York is eight million in the size of uh, Hollywood. There we go. Yeah. You know <laughs> <what I mean? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seven hundred k. More than the yeah. actual size of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. But. But yeah, it's very different dating cultures, and I think um, as someone who goes back and forth, you know, you I, I always say to myself, I'm going to date somebody who's from New York or lives in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you from again? I, I grew up in Park City, Utah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sundance. The Sundance, Sundance Kid. The Sundance Kid. Do you go there a lot? Sundance? Uh, I'm going to Sundance this year. I, just, I just got uh, my dad to uh, purchase me the locals package. Oh, perfect. So it's uh, 10 tickets. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Have they, rele- they haven't released the lineup yet. No, 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 no yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I have not been back in a while cause I've been holding out. I've been like, I'm not going back mm. until I have a reason until I'm not there as a tourist. You want to have a I, film I ca- there? I or? caved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I caved. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going, I want to go just, back. Just go. Yeah, yeah. Go have that. Go have a house fun. there. I mean, yeah. Why, yeah. why not? Yeah. Uh, that's great. I don't think you're from Salt Lake. That's cool. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Utah. Utah. Mountain Jew. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like the only one. Yeah, uh, there's more now. There's more now. That's there's good. There's more now. That's for good. Sure. But when I was growing up, not very many. And I used to wear a big star of David around my neck. No way. Yeah, I was outside. You know, like outside my shirt. You know, I was. I was. Would people say something defined. or not really? I got. In, I got actually gotten some fights. No way. Yeah. Damn. Uh, you know, there was like I think in my high school there was like handful like half Jews. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. And there's maybe like one or two other like uh, actual. Jewish people, but there wasn't much, uh, not much. How many, how big was your high school? Uh, my high school was, I think each class was like 300, 50, okay. 300. It was like it was Park City High School, so it's a public high school. Damn. 300 yeah. per grade? Yeah, 300 Got per it. grade. Got it, okay, yeah. That's cool though. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's like double what I had in my grade. I'm trying to think, you know, like 150 kids. Okay, nice. And you were, what high school did you go Fieldston? to? Fieldston? I ask without with knowing that I have no reply to that. We have notable alumni such as uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, okay, who's you know maybe one one day will be a guest in your podcast, yeah, and yeah. Um, Doug Lyman, he's a filmmaker. Oh, wow, uh, I mean, there's other very famous like politicians and like people who are actually doing cool stuff for the world, but these are the entertainment people. Is this like the Upper West Side or something. It was. It's on the Upper West Side. Then you for till sixth grade, and then you go middle school and high school. You go to the Bronx, Riverdale, okay. 
Um, it's actually based on the, the Riverdale that Archie Comics is based off the area that the high school's in. Oh, wow. Which is cool because the creator went to Fieldston. Wow. Yeah. So would you always want to be a filmmaker? Always. Always? Since day one. Day one. Since day one. I think, I think that's a pretty common thing. I feel like I've, ever since I saw Hook, when I was two years old, I yeah, saw that's Hook. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want to do. And I was introduced into the works of Woody Allen early on. And um, I've had a camera in my hand ever since. Like, I kind of get frustrated myself because I'm like, I've had like a 20-year head start. And, you know, some of your guests that I saw, they're like young dudes who directed and, and girls who directed like 20 features or five features. It's going hard. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of has their own path, and that's yeah. something I've kind of come to terms with. And, um, you know, what does it mean to be successful as an artist and what makes you happy? But I've been doing it for a very, 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 very long time. Mm -hmm. And so on, uh, certainly on a smaller level, but, you know, I've at least known what I've wanted for a very long time, almost to the fact that I don't know what life would be like where you don't want it, you know? Yeah. So I do wonder what the long-term psychological effects are going to be from that, but... I feel like it's it's more positive. I feel like the you don't usually hear backlash from people knowing what they want. It's usually no. people who don't know what they want that have more issues. I used to get mad at people when they were like, "What you know? I don't know what I want to do." And I'm like, "What? What do you mean you don't know what you want to do?" Like <laughs> I used to be get really upset with people who didn't know, especially in film, where you go to film school and you're like, "I don't really know what position I want to play." You know, I don't, I don't know if I want to do sound or editing or directing or wow. writing. I'm like, "Well, how do you not know?" First of all, they're all the same. Second of all. You know, they're all the same in their own capacity, right? You're all serving in a story, story in some way. Sure. And I would just get very mad. I'd be like, all right, you don't know that you want to be a writer or a director. You wouldn't kill someone to do it. Then yeah. you're not cut out for this. Well, there's someone else that will kill someone. Yep, to do there's that. someone like, yeah, yeah watch out. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Yo, just kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> I won't do that, but I might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Didn't hear it here. Yeah. Kidding, just kidding. But yeah, that's like the uh, but dodgeball. Yeah. He's talking about dodgeball director. He's like... Uh, I got some shackles in the back, <laughs> but really, I got them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's yeah. a really good dodgeball quote. Yeah, really good. Dodgeball what? is such a quotable movie. Oh yeah, that's like all middle school for me. It's such a My classic. Friends. Yeah, and I don't think they knew that when they were making that at the time. I think they I think they were like, "What are we doing?" And then probably, they, and then they just like just caught on. And then it just became this kind of cult classic, like yeah. genius work of comedy. Yeah. Was your sister? Uh, your sister for the fuel Illinois is also a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Was she? Uh, Always wanted to be a filmmaker as well? No. Janie wanted to, at first, and for a very long time, be a Broadway actress. Oh, wow. She was always singing, always sort of like doing, she did lots of plays, lots of musicals. Um, she then wanted to do the, the acting thing. And like she's always been writing stuff. And she's, we come from a very creative and technical household, which is why we both, none of our parents do film, but... My mom does a lot of marketing stuff and is very creative. My dad's very technical and numbers driven okay. and loves cameras. And so the obvious outcome for technical and creativity is something like filmmaking because mm -hmm. you have the technical stuff like the cameras, the lenses, then you have the how do you use those to be some, do something creative. Janie then I think saw me doing the directing thing and was like, oh, power. That's cool. I want that. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if she hears this. I think as a second child, there's a small bit of her that wants control and attention and directors get control and attention. Yeah. That being said, I think she's now found her own passion for writing and directing and realizes why she loves it. But at first, let the record show, it was me. Yeah. It was always yeah. wanting to do this. You can look at the photo. There's photo evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the one holding the camera. She's the one wearing like a, a wig, you know? <laughs> so, funny. but yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a great filmmaker and doing cool stuff now as well, yeah. which is fun. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah, you both went to USC. Both went to USC. Yeah. 
both did that, both, you know, both live in West Hollywood, um, and both sort of going on our own little trajectories. And I think I'm definitely, you know, it's definitely nice to have two people in the, you know, in the game, yeah, have skin in the game. Someone's got really got your back. Yeah. Someone's got your back. And, you know, it's like, if you fail, then hopefully they rise and like vice versa. You just kind of help, you just kind of help each other. Like passing back and forth like a football or something. It is. And it, it also kind of makes you question your identity as a filmmaker. You know, you got to figure out what, um, you know, what is it that, you're offering even with your blood sibling like what is it that you're offering as a filmmaker that's different and you know our our perspectives on stories are completely different she doesn't want to do a disney movie she might want to do disney um she does love disney as well but i think you know her the way she sees the world is different than the way i see the world Sure. yeah yeah. is there is there a disney uh do they have an online platform they do have a streaming service coming out which will present lots of opportunities. Yeah, I'm saying that's the way to get your foot in the door. Right? Well, I have a project that's I have a project that I'm I'm up for with them and that I've worked. So this is a great story for anyone who's sort of like, you know, wants to try to win an opportunity in a meeting. So they have a streaming service coming out. And I'm not sure what part of this I can talk. Whatever you know, if the Disney exec hears this and they just they hopefully hear that I care. You know, so yeah. there's a project they're working on that's sort of like um, an anthology of Disney stuff. It's live action. It's a really cool project. Oh, cool. Um, it's Jonah's. It would be a dream project. It, it would be one of those things where if I looked on, to my left and looked to my right, I'd say, this is making it. I'm doing it, yeah. And I had the opportunity to pitch on a project for something called an OWA, which is Open Writing Assignment, which means that they're looking for writers. They have the idea. They have the one line, mm-hmm. but they need someone to come and flesh it out. And then once they get that pitch greenlit by their execs, go write the scripts. So I found out I had a meeting about this, and I went and I made a YouTube video of myself as like a vlog in theme with my idea about the meeting itself. And I, when I showed up to the general meeting, I showed them this video as my intro and like, it's like a 10 minute video. It's like, it's in theme with the concept and it would make more sense if, you know, if you kind of knew everything, but I made that. And then after that, after making that impression, after pitching my ass off with these four people saying why I'm the perfect person for this job, because I know Disney lore better than anybody else does. And because I'm a film, you know, Here's what I want to do with the show. Then we put together a pitch deck with a writing partner I have for this project called named Jeremy Milliman. Do you know Jeremy at all? Yeah, I know Jeremy. Yeah, you know Jeremy. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, Yacht Club know, Comedy. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so we put together this pitch document, and I have never worked harder on a document. I'm not saying I've worked very long on it, but I've never focused more. I went like three days of nonstop in on this thing. And it's a beautiful pitch deck, and it's got like incredible story ideas. It's all beat out. And by the way, I turned this in in july or june and because the whole disney fox merger there's tons of reorganization they're still gonna green light someone's idea but we're still waiting to hear back but every two weeks jeremy and i email these execs and say hey disney fam it's us you like just saying hi seeing what's going on and they say that you know we're still waiting to hear back from up top yeah there's still oh yeah we still could talk all the time but it's just their their higher ups are dealing with uh, you know one was on maternity leave and it's always sort of a thing it takes a very long time but yeah. it's the hurry up and wait right it's like yeah. get us this treatment oh but now wait three months but it's worth it for this like I will wait once they make a decision I will of course respect the decision they make but I would I do think it helps to sort of never not stay in touch you know never assume it's a no until you yeah. get told no even when you get told no sometimes things turn around sometimes you can reach up and say hey. You know, if they were to pass on us, which I really hope they don't, I really hope we get it because we worked hard and I think our idea is, is the best. Um, but sometimes I've been in situations where I've gotten passed on and I'll say, hey, you know, thanks so much at least for the opportunity. Like it was awesome to meet you and I, you know, let's find something together down the line. That's the classic thing that people say. Yeah. 
But sometimes after two weeks, I'll be like, hey, I just want to, like, I got passed on in a writer's room. Two weeks went by and I said, hey, how's the writer's room? Like, just was thinking about you guys. I like, hope it's going great. And then I got written back like, hey, actually, one of our writers dropped out. Would you want to come back in? Wow. And I was like, yeah, of course. And so then that was my, that was my life for like two months. What, working what writing room was for this? That was a writer's room for a project. There's a company called Basilevs. They do screen reality films. Okay. A film like Searching. That, do you, did you ever know Anish, my friend from film school? No. He made a movie called Searching that was with John Cho that came out this summer. Yeah, yeah, Big movie. Right, yeah, people, uh, everyone was talking about that. It was at Sundance, yeah. yeah. And, that's, uh, and there's a movie called Unfriended. These are screen reality movies, movies that take place on computer screens. Oh, and okay. they're produced by a guy named Timor. Timor made a film called Unwanted, and he did, or it's called Wanted. It's the Bending Bullet movie. Oh, I like Wanted. Yeah, yeah Wanted's uh, dope. Angel Angel Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he has a big production company that's kind of like the Amblin of Russia called Basilevs. And okay. I developed, they had, a, they had a writer's room where you each came in with your own screen reality movie. And this is the same program, more or less, that Anish went through, although he just did his on his own. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, he didn't, he wasn't in a room. He and his writing partner just went off and made theirs. But after the success of his movie and movies like Unfriended, they wanted to have like 10 of these on deck. So I was in a writer's room developing an idea that was then turned into a screenplay that is now in this sort of flux where we don't really know. They, they might be bringing on, they might, they love the idea. They love the work I did, but they might be bringing on a different writer as just because they can. That's their, yeah. you know, that's their property. Um, or they might greenlight it and we might go make it, but I really have no idea. Um, and this is with this uh, Russian production it's company? With the Russian production company. So Timor we would Skype with about once a month, um, but the idea is sort of like E.T., but on a computer screen. Okay. And, yeah, and so um, I have no idea what's going to happen, but it was a cool experience. Well, that, would be, that would be huge. Right? It would be huge. It, yeah. would be, it would definitely be life-changing yeah. if they just hit the green light. Um, I don't think that's going to happen just because they're it's it's sort of like a you know it's a company i like guess they got a lot of people they got to approve like mm-hmm. after like who knows what their slate looks like but they have like 10 of these movies in the can mm-hmm. some they're not releasing some they're taking longer to release so they're figuring it out as well and it's there but you know i, I don't really know what's going to happen well you got a lot of like uh what, what do they say balls in the air. irons in the irons fire in the is fire. that yeah is that it irons in the fire irons in the yeah, fire in the iron yeah, balls in the air is also good. Is that even a real one? Got a lot, yeah, got a lot of paint on the wall. Got a lot of paint on the wall. <laughs> I just gotta see so if it makes something. Good. Yeah, you got like a bunch of stuff going, and you're, you're not you're not just like you're not just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. You're continuing to create that's while the, that's happening. That's the key. The key is to not sit and wait. The yeah. key is put as many stuff as you can. But it's also like how do you how do you bypass that? How do you get yourself in a situation where what you're doing is in your control? Like that yeah. I, that I can be the I can be in control of my own destiny. So that's why I made the feature. And and you're just you're, you're just in post on the feature, right? You're just in post. And okay. we want to try to do a, a Tribeca Film Festival. But When's the submission deadline for that? November 28th. Okay. And that can be a version that's not sound mixed. Yeah. That can yeah, be like, the, yeah, you can do like temp everything. Yeah. And so I'm trying to do that. But at the same time, dude, like my dream for that movie was I want everyone to be able to watch it very easily. Mm-hmm. I want to show people that I can make a feature film that's coherent. Um, and I always sort of imagine just putting it on YouTube for free, which sounds kind of silly. Um, cause like there's no movie stars in it. Like, I don't know who would watch it. Like it has to, we have to figure out like a cool marketing plan, but it's a very relatable movie and with the right, you know, amount of like article help, like it could probably make its own on YouTube, but yeah. obviously the people who invested in the movie don't want that. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I guess the best thing that could come for you would be if someone sees it and then it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a proof of your work. Exactly. Right? It's a, that's, it's like that's the ultimate it's, resume. It's exactly it. It's so as an example, I'm going into pitch on a romantic comedy that's being made at Netflix. I am 
my agents were like really killed to get me in the room just to pitch on it. Yeah. You know, long shot, right? Because they're meeting with people who have made features, who have made a name for themselves. But in this particular case, I'm actually bringing in scenes from the movie, not the finished movie yet because it's not there, but scenes and be like, hey, these are the kind of, this is what I did. Mm -hmm. I also have like this killer pitch deck I worked on. I'm just going to give it absolute hell, everything I have because I have nothing to lose. Yeah. And because, um, you know, why, why not? You know, the, yeah, what do you have to lose on these, in these opportunities? Yeah. It makes, it, it just makes me think kind of back to, to the, um, like reaching out to a girl from Bumble through Instagram. It's like, there's this, in a way there's this like thing where it's cool if you don't try that hard, mm-hmm. but it sounds like, you know, you do not take that approach in anything. Like there's no coming in and like, well, you know, they might not even really care. So like you, you put a hundred percent into all these pitches and everything. Dude, you, yeah, and y- your tactic, learning from your tactic, like, uh, that is something I firmly believe in. I, I will never play it cool or understate. I w- yeah, if I'm, you know, if, cool, yeah. it's like, if I'm in there, I'm going to blow it up in terms of, like, let's give it everything we can. Mm-hmm. Let's be loud. Let's ask ignorant, you know, and naive questions. I love being naive in rooms. I love ask- I love fanboying out to a certain extent. Like, I, we just had a pitch with the company that did Aladdin, and I was like, tell me wow. about Guy Ritchie as a filmmaker. Tell me, like, and... At the time, I was sort of like, there. My writing partner was like, "Dude, like, don't ask, don't fanboy in the room." Yeah. And I was like, mm, "You're right, but everything else I do in my life I, is has worked out by being kind of naive and being by being true to yourself. Being true to myself, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, I like to just. I was. I didn't. I got into USC because I befriended all the professors and because I like sort of talked my way in. I've gotten a lot of, out of you know. That's almost everything I do. I talk my way in somehow because. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like, I think it helps. I think it just helps to be an outgoing person. Yeah. And especially as a, as a director, like I always see, whenever I, I see directors who are like quiet and soft-spoken, they're usually like very talented and like very big deals. I'm like, how do they, I don't get how they do their how job. They how do they direct? Yeah, dir- yeah. How do they get their movie green? Like, Cause directing isn't like, I would say 10% of the directing job is what we know is directing. The other 90% is developing your idea, taking meetings, bullshit emails, bullshit phone calls, navigating yeah. people's egos. Staying in people's minds. Yep. So like, how do you, they don't teach that. And so it's a lot of people skills, but I, and so I understand by the way, when you see like guys like John Favreau, who direct prolific movies now and who have great slates, you know, very busy. I understand that because John Favreau is an incredibly likable human being. He knows how to talk. He knows how to direct. He knows how to act. Um, people like that, I think are kind of unstoppable forces where uh, even Bradley Cooper now, like he just hit a he, with Star Wars Born. Have you yeah. seen that movie yet? I haven't seen it. It's incredible. Really? Okay. But he's now in a position where he can do whatever he wants sure. because he can put himself in it and he can direct it. Yeah. And he's Bradley Cooper. Yeah. So you sit down in a room with Bradley Cooper, you're gonna be charmed no matter what that. he's fucking saying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do sort of like to give it everything. And well, it feels like you know you're talking about this is the only thing you've ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So there is you have. What comes across to me when, when you're talking to me is that you have so much passion for all this stuff that, you know, you're not going to, we're talking about killing somebody, <laughs> but, but like that drive and mentality is what's going to separate you. I feel like mm-hmm. it has separated you because right? I'm looking at all your, you know, a lot of, you were kind of downplaying yourself and saying, you know, I, I haven't made all these feature films and whatever, but everything you've made, I feel like has gotten such like actual good publicity and like it been shared so widely. Um, you know, h- how is it that you, you think you've been able to make these things that have been so well accepted and like, um, um, let me see how I put this, like, 
you know, like your stuff has gotten a lot of press. Thank you, you know for saying, I mean? yeah, yeah, no. Super cool. Because, like, you know, a lot of people will make a bunch of um, short videos and they'll just, you know, be shared by their friends and family. Yeah. Like, all your short videos have been seen by kind of like, and in, in, in some of them, the world. That's very nice of you to say. And that is the one thing that I think helps because it's like, okay, what it does, what I'm thinking is working. Yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Um, and it does work sometimes. And that's just being tapped into the zeitgeist. That's just like, I've always loved being able to be topical, but, but original. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to get, I, 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 here's what I think it's as simple as like my stuff might not get written about or pressed because it's the best it's ever been, but because it's something that you want to watch and enjoy, or there's a reason to see it. Yeah. So I, going back to the Disney, going back to the magical thing, I want to make things that you're going to want to watch, man. Like I want to make things that you're going to want to click on and watch. Cause I'm not in it. I'm in it. Sure. To express myself, as the in the art form of cinema and how I feel, but I'm also in it to make, you know, when, if you were watching something in mind, I wouldn't be watching it. I'd be watching you. I'd be like, all right, how is he reacting to this? How is yeah. he feeling? How are they feeling? I'm, it's entertainment. Like that's, that's kind of like, I want to make things that are entertaining. I want to make things that are com- commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's why, I don't know. Maybe the, the, to- the topicality uh, makes sense. Like the, the star Wars parody, the West Anderson, the, the star West Wars. Anderson, yeah. Yeah. Like blue. Oh, I'm going to tell them, like, Oh yeah, no worries. You don't want it to be pitch black. Ah, there we go. For you guys at home, the yeah. lights are now on. It's like when you turn on lights in a room, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's oh wow, energy. Yeah, look at that. We're back. <laughs> you don't realize how dark this. And is. action, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The Wes Anderson Star Wars uh, trailer that blew up. That blew up. That um, that blew up. That was made in three hours in my bedroom on a really? whim on a Wednesday night. Yeah. That was Star there was what sparked you to make that? No planning whatsoever. I was watching the Star Wars Force Awakens trailer. The way that his pose head popped in the frame, I was like, "This looks like a Wes Anderson movie," and I just put a title on the frame, and I was like, "Huh, okay, wait, let me just do this again." Three hours pass. I'm on my laptop, on on my bed. It's like eleven o'clock at night. I'm done with it by eleven thirty. Sorry, by one thirty. Um, I post it on Wednesday or Thursday morning. That Friday, someone's like, yo, dude, it's blowing up on Reddit. And I'm like, what's Reddit? (laughs) And um, then that somehow ends up being some sort of calling card. Got me a job at BuzzFeed. Got me a manager. Got me people. Now I have a Wikipedia article for that. People like will reference that in my work. And I'm like, you guys realize like I've made movies before. Like I made short films before. Like this is just like, there's spelling mistakes in that video, dude. I spell rebels wrong. Really? And I, 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 I... I love that though. I love putting spelling mistakes and stuff on really? purpose because I'm dyslexic and I'm a very bad speller and people are always like, you spelled this wrong. And I'm like, well, you got the meaning, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like I, I kind of like putting little Easter eggs, which are spelling mistakes and stuff. That's funny. Yeah. That's so crazy that you made that in three hours. It, three I, hours. How helpful is it? I feel like it, it to have something where you'd be like, oh yeah, he's the guy that did that. That's, you know, like, that's key. That, that's key, right? That is key. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why I said it only takes one. And yeah. I think that, as you know, that was a great calling card had I gone down the road of being a trailer parody mm. editor or an editor period. But you know, it only, t- I need to do that. It's scary because all I did was that. And, uh, and all I did was that and that blew up. So now I'm like, huh, you saw how these like stupid ideas for short films or for little videos. I'm like, all right, Jonah, this could actually blow up. And so like, you should do it. Cause yeah. like that thing, that thing that you thought was dumb, you did and somehow worked. Um, but the key would be to do that on a feature film level. 
big I look at my, you know, you look at studio filmmakers or indie filmmakers, they do that, but on a feature level, and that's how you establish yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, you have that, that, like, it's like, who's this guy? Oh, he directed this movie. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, sure, he could direct this next movie. It's, it's all it's you need. Him. It's all you need. I actually have a funny idea for, like, a, I've always wanted to make, like, a kind of a version of Entourage, but it's a little more real, right? Yeah. It's a little more, like, about before they're famous filmmakers. And I have this I have funny idea where this concept, where this filmmaker, you know, she or he, comes to LA with this film that was in a film festival that ends up being revealed that was fake and never, and never real. But they go on all these general means. They're like, Oh yeah. You know, they directed, uh, the glass water, you know, the, the, the glass of water. And it's like, Oh, I love that movie. Cause it just sounds like a movie and it just, oh, you're just wow, set up, just, you're just set up in this context of having me. Yeah. Momentum on itself. Dude. Yeah. It's cause it, Hollywood is a hype machine. Yeah, it is right. Half the time. And I live with, you know, I, I know a lot of agents who aren't reading or watching half the shit they say they are. I mean, I just know for a fact they are or not are not. No, or executives. I know tons of execs who, like, in rooms will say something about my work or friends' work. And I'm like, hold on a second. That doesn't make any sense. And I won't say in the room, but, like, I know for a fact that you're confusing this with something else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. As long as you bring me in the room, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a, the, last, the last movie I was on. I won't say any names, but they made shirts that said, uh, um, actually, oh, there's a horse. And that's uh, a... Uh, question a thing the producer said when they um i guess there's a, a horse there's a, a, a fumble in my words but there's okay. a scene in the movie where guy pierce is riding on a horse yeah and uh i guess the director was talking to the producer and going you know how are we going to do this thing with the horse and stuff and the producer went there's a horse no he, you know he, he hadn't read yeah he hadn't read the script yeah, yeah. So, like, so yeah that, that happened listen i get loosely interpreting scripts because a lot of it will change in production. I understand that, but yeah, you got to know what ele- production elements are a part of the project. <laughs> You're going to have to call an animal wrangler for that. Yeah, yeah there's an animal wrangler. For that animal. Yeah, a lot of horses in Kentucky. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Find one. I wanted to uh, go out like riding with the guy. He let me ride it through the town a little bit. That's but, awesome. But he was it was he was kind of holding the reins, you know, I kind of almost had a really good time. You wanted to just go solo. Oh, yeah, I wanted to just ride off into the sunset. Have a horse. Have a horse, yeah. Yeah. So you got to get out of here, don't you? Uh, let's, let me, let me just, LA, we just got to make sure we're good with traffic. Let me see here. Taylor, 6.30. Let me just see how long it's going to take to, play, to get to this place. Do you edit these things? Uh, try not to. Copy. I will just say something interesting while I look. So I'm currently looking at Google Maps here. In LA, guys, it takes, um, Yeah, it says it's, it's going to take me 20 to get there. We can... Um, we can wrap it up. We can, we, just start, we can just start the descent. Yeah, we can start the descent. We can also... We can always do a part two, man. Yeah, I live... We'll I live, definitely do a part two. We got to, yeah. Yeah, especially after your... Uh, um, what we are. What, what are we? What are we? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, once it comes out, come back on. Yeah. Um, but I guess, so would you say the most... What's the thing that's helped you the most get more work? Is it having mm. the thing that people say, oh, he did that? Is that the thing? I think the thing that helps, there's two 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 part answer. One is if you're offering someone, it's a very competitive field, acting, directing, whatever it is. But if what you're acting is, you know, you are only as good as you, mm-hmm. I will not make the same movie that you will make or that my sister will make or that my, you know, director friends will make. This is why I have a lot of friends who are directors because typically they're very competitive with each other. But you're only as good as what you offer. So if you can figure out your own style, 
whatever that's going to be, you will always be sellable in some capacity. Maybe you're more commercial, so you're going to get more commercial work. Maybe you're more indie. You're going to do more indie stuff. Um, whenever I am able to express myself with my voice and I show that and execute that, I notice an influx of opportunity. I also notice an influx of opportunity when I'm creating and putting stuff out there. Yeah. So every time something goes out, something tends to come in. I just, just did a series for Facebook Watch. It came out. Somehow, some way, stars aligned where I got a couple of, you know, other conversations that were set that were in the context of making something. Um, I would also say that, yeah, it's like these, it's honestly, it's just long-lasting relationships with people and kind of checking in. But it, it's sort of like, do you wait for things to come to you or do you create the opportunity for yourself? And how do you juggle that with like getting paid to do something? Um, I would say it's a combination of, though, like being your own voice, putting stuff out there on a consistent basis, thus making yourself known by people. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that could be once every year, but just make sure it's really good. Like the longer you wait, make sure the better it is. That's maybe the good rule, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. If you're going to wait three years to release your movie, make sure it's an incredible movie. Uh, the longer your short film is, make sure each of those minutes makes it that Ex- much better. Exactly. If you're going to do a short a month, cool. You're going to be pretty relevant. And maybe one of those 12 shorts is going to hit off in some way. Mm-hmm. Um the other is just kind of always staying in communication and always have your next thing that you want to do. Know what you want to do next. And that seems to always help because it helps manifest. Because people will ask you, what do you want to do next? And what do you have that, you know, I don't love this, but what, do you, what else do you have? And then you kind of mention something in the room. I'd also say this, be overly talkative. I think people are always like, don't want to talk about their ideas. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No one's going to steal your idea. Yeah. Or if they do, they're not going to do it the same way you do it. Every, every single opportunity I ever have right now is because I've overspoken being like, oh, I, I want to do unscripted or I had this stupid idea for a short that takes place on an iPhone screen. Now I'm, gonna go, now I'm getting paid by Facebook to go make that. So like that came up in a general meeting. So that to me, like that. Over, overspeaking, that's probably not the right word for it, right? But well, it makes sense though. It, it connects. It connects. There's people yeah. in meetings, you know, they kind of just keep quiet and keep themselves. I'm like, you never know how someone is going to say something that inspires you or have a connection that's going to help you. Sure, yeah. Also find that connecting people really helps too. Be a connector. You know, once a week, have it be your goal to connect somebody you know with somebody, you know, that somebody else you know to help them. And not to speak selfishly, but that actually always comes back to help you in some way. Yeah. That is probably... I like that. Well, that's one, one thing I've really always admired about you is that you're like prolific in your work. You're always, you always have something going on, it seems like, and always coming out with new stuff. It's very kind of you. Thank cool. you. I feel like that, that creates like its own energy around you. That, you know, it's very nice. For these bigger things, you're always like, you're like, you're, you know, you got like a, an energy. I appreciate that. And I think you need to. I mean, like, as I said, some of these projects that take such a long time to develop, you've got to have steam behind them. You've got to be that annoying person pushing it along. Um, otherwise, it will simmer down and, and you know, stop. Yeah. Um, but likewise, dude, I'm, I'm super stoked that you're doing a podcast. And I'm excited to see your Guy Pierce movie because I've always thought you're, you know, you're one of the best actors I know from USC. Oh, nice. I've always thought your, your commitment to your craft and you're, I mean, you're hilarious and yeah. you're dramatic. Yeah. You know, that's what it takes. Yeah, that's what it takes. So, yeah, well. So we got to shoot something soon. Yeah, we got to yeah. shoot something. Yeah, that's right. I can't wait, dude. Um, thank you for, let's do this again when I'm done with the movie. Yeah, you're coming back on. I would love yeah. to. We got, we, I mean, honestly, we just hit the tip of the iceberg. As I said, we could be here for two hours. Yeah, I know. Um, the LA traffic. So, yeah, but let's do this again and, um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. If you liked this episode of The Take, please give it a good review on iTunes and subscribe. Thanks so much.